Good morning, everybody. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the last day of May. May third. I was said March. May thirty-first, two thousand twenty-three. All right. Thanks so much for being with us today, and a big thanks to the guest. I'm going to introduce you to our old friend Nancy Weinstein from Mind Print Learning. You're going to learn how why data-driven, multi-tiered support solutions really matter for equity and teacher retention and learning and the teacher's perception of the children that they're teaching, et cetera. It's all based on data. We might as well have real good stuff in education. And we're going to talk about how mind print learning, okay, working with digital promise, by the way, okay, really can help you all do that. We'll have Nancy on in just a second. Okay, it'll be a pleasure to welcome her back. Uh, I, I invite you to go over. Everything's for free over at our website, which is the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And if my voice cracks one more time, I am going to laugh. Okay. Um, over at ace-ed.org, again, our home website. We have our magazine. I think a new issue is going to go up today or tomorrow. Or it depends when Maya gets it done, today or tomorrow. Then it's a brand-new issue of our online journal, Equity and Access, which is getting very high readership these days. We're very proud of it. You can go over there. Everything, again, it's free. Go over there, click on the cover, read a great issue of the magazine. We publish every other month. All right. And, of course, we have the archived issues over at the website as well. We also archive all the podcasts, including this one over there. And you also see an icon for award. An icon for awards. I can't talk today. Okay, and that of our Excellence in Equity Awards. I want you to know, because there's a timeline thing going on here, okay, nominations are now open for the 2023 Excellence in Equity Awards. And again, it's at ace-ed.org. All right, now that nomination process is open until August 4th. But now is the best time if you happen to be a company and want to get involved in this, okay, the early bird period goes until June 2nd. That's just a couple of days away. That gives companies the best pricing for nominations, and we get a lot of companies involved, so we're trying to remind everybody. All right? Um, If you're an educator, nominations are free, but the companies like to get involved. Again, take advantage of the good pricing through June 2nd, just a couple of days from now. The regular nomination process is open until August 4th. I want you to know there were 160 nominees last year, over 50 winners in 2022. We're expecting a lot more this year. 29 categories on the website. You'll see if you click through on the awards icon are dedicated to companies and organizations, products, leaders, along with 15 categories of educators and paraprofessionals, support staff. All right, 20 of the categories are new this year. So be sure to check them out. Go over to ace-ed.org slash awards, or you can email us with any question at, questions at awards at ace-ed.org. But you see it all over there. And please get involved. And if you're a company, we had so many companies involved with us last year. Please uh, take advantage of the, the good pricing through June 2nd. All right. And today's May, May 31st, by the way. So I just wanted everybody to know that. And now enough of me blabbing here. All right. Let's talk to Nancy. Nancy, are you there? I am here. It's so good to hear your voice again, Larry. Thank you, dear. It's great to hear you, too. Welcome back. Things are going great for you. And I have to ask you, I had a little note here. Is Melissa joining us today, your director of marketing? Is she with us today? 
I don't think she's joining. You know, she's on the West Coast. It's a little early out there. No, it is. It's, seven, it's actually 7.34 in the morning, to be perfectly honest, okay? So I understand that I had her name down here in the sheet, and I wasn't sure if she was going to join us or not. So I didn't want to leave her out. Good morning, Melissa. You can tell her she's been mentioned, okay? All right. She deserves it. She's amazing. So. She does. She does. Okay. So anyway, that's great. Okay. Nancy's the co-founder and CEO of Mind Print Learning. And I'll just read off this. Mind Print's mission is to ensure every child's strengths are accurately understood so every child can reach their full potential. So what's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. Mindprintlearning.com. Tell us about the company you founded, Ms. Weinstein, CEO. Oh, thank you, Larry. Um, so I started the company. Uh, uh, I started the company about ten years ago with my husband, who is my co-founder, um, and we we got into it as a response to an experience we had with our own child. Who, um, honestly, the teacher said we need more data to help her. Oh, and um, yes, yeah, like she said, there is something holding this child back. I don't know what it is. Um, and we went through this, honestly, a long, difficult process to get the data, lots of testing, lots of appointments. Um, and when I said to the psychologist, I said, what do I tell my daughter about why we're putting her through this process? She said, you tell her we're giving her the gift of how she learns, and that's a gift she's going to have for the rest of her life. So here, here. very naively – Right? And 10 years, so very naively, 10 years ago, I said, why aren't we doing this for every child? We should be doing this for every child. And so not just, not just the moms and dads that figure out how to advocate and have the amazing yeah, teachers yeah. that say, I want the extra data, we should be doing this for every child. And so that, that really did become Mindprint's mission. Um, and so, but but you, were um, you in education? Were you in education in those days? I was not in education in those days. I was actually, I was an engineer. And so I, um, I'm a data person. Um, and I sort of got a sense for what the tests were all about going through the process with my own daughter and said, you know, these are tests that we can move this online, right? So all the tests that still been, were, were still being entirely done on pencil and paper 10 years ago. Now there's some movement to online, but um, it turns out Penn Medicine, um, which is not far from us, uh, University of Pennsylvania in Philly, um, had developed yeah. this You're in Princeton, by the way. Everybody, they're in Princeton. Yeah. 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 Good. So, um, yeah, so in New Jersey. And, then, and so they had developed this assessment. And, uh, and then we said, wow, we can take this online to every child. And so that's what we did. We, um, we have a long-term relationship with Penn. Um, yeah, And we are, they're an amazing partner. Yeah, they are. I grew up in that neighborhood in West Philly. Okay, they are an amazing I know you partner. I know you, know, I know you know I did. Okay, and by the way, thank you for that amazing fact that Princeton is in New Jersey. Thank you. We, none of us knew Not that. Not everybody knows that. There, there That's, is why we depend. That's why we depend and on they you. Have, we did, and there right. is another Princeton, and they have more snow days than the one in New Jersey does. Because we Where's that, Illinois? That is that Illinois? Is that Princeton, Princeton <laughs> Illinois? Where is it? Uh, Where's the other I, Princeton? You know? I, Come on, it might be, I think I'm going to say Wisconsin. Okay. I'm going to say. I think, I, I think it might be Illinois. I think it might. We can look that up, but I think it might be Illinois. I'm going to defer to you, Larry. 
I'm okay, thank you. At, at five o'clock. I'm going to look at when you're googling a snow hold day. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Now, we're, now, now, you got me crazy. Before we get into this, hold on. Wait a minute. Princeton. I'm just googling it. Princeton. I L. Let's see. Is there one? Princeton City in Illinois. There you go. There you go. Larry's always right. Defer to Larry. The city located two hours west of Chicago on Interstate 80. There you go. There you go, and that would explain the snow. That explains the snow. Thank you, Nancy, but we're not going to talk about that. And by the way, I asked you if you were an educator. The fact that you took your engineering degree, got so involved in education, took the time beyond your daughter, I have to say this, to understand all this, okay, and then get into school districts and show them what you were able to do and get University of Pennsylvania involved, okay? Here's to you. I, I really mean it, Nancy. I mean, that's just an amazing story. And I, again, I, I want to say this. Yeah, I mean it. And, 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 and another thing, and I know our, our profession is mostly women, but a lot of those women in the profession are, are teachers. Okay, God bless them. All right. But I got to tell you, there's more and more female entrepreneurship in the education industry these days. Okay. And you're one of, yeah. the, you're one of the champs, Nancy. I got to tell you, you're one of the champs. Fighting the good fight, Larry. You are. You always do. So, so now we've we've established that. So, what? Tell everybody about your product. What is your? By the way, you guys are equity award winners. But tell us about your product. I meant to say that before, but go ahead. Yeah. Tell us about your so product. It, it's an it's a multi tiered system of support solution. That is to say. It's a solution for every child, regardless right. of whether or not they're gifted, struggling, somewhere in between, to give us the data to not only know, like the other assessments that are out there, the achievement assessments, they tell us what a student knows and doesn't know, right? Like they're benchmarking. Are we meeting progress goals? Right. But right. if we're not, and we know more than half of our students are not, they don't tell us what to do next. How do we fix the problem, right? We're doing our best. We know our teachers are in their classrooms doing their best to teach students. They're using good curriculum, and it's not working. And so what our data does is say, why is it not working for this group of students, and what can we do differently? And then from that, once we understand that why, right, so that our data gives us the why. So we're, we're looking at things like not only a student's reasoning skills, their critical thinking skills, but also their executive functions, like can they focus and get their work done? Do they work slowly and it just feels like they can't get things done and why that's happening? Um, can they remember efficiently? Right? We have a lot of students out there, particularly coming out of the pandemic, who yeah, understand sure. what we're teaching, but they forget by the time they get to that standardized test, and so we need to build in some strategies for them as well. So what we do is say, okay, we get it that this student is, is not succeeding, right, not meeting benchmarks, or this student's meeting benchmarks, but, man, they have much greater potential than we're seeing on those tests. Why is that? And then what do we do about it? How do we help teachers so they know what to do? And they're not, like, we ask teachers in some ways to be mind readers, yeah, and they're not well, mind readers. Yeah, half of what we do is anecdotal. I hate to say it, but yeah. we need data. Yeah, and, and the anecdotal is good. 
teachers are good at that innately. Okay, so I don't mean to put that down. Okay, but we need data. We need data. And we I have to ask. Go ahead, go ahead. We need the data that. You go. I was just going to say, like, we need the data that confirms what the teachers yeah. are seeing and thinking because students will behave for a lot of different ways, like what they're seeing, and there could be more than one reason for that. We want to get to the, the real reason, the underlying so, reason, and then help teachers support that. So how, how do teachers get testing, I'll say it that way, de- uh, delivered to the student? Do they, take, do they all sit down the entire school and spend a day for three hours filling in bubbles on the test? What's going on? How does it all oh, work? Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. Uh, it, I, I, actually... I asked that question knowing that was wrong. <laughs> Okay. I wanted that you to say that. Wrong thing. Yeah. Okay. I just we wanted you to know that. Yeah. I, and I appreciate that. We are not the bubble Yeah. Sheet. I knew that. Um, I knew that. We but are. I'm showing, and, I'm showing and, my age, by the way. I'm showing my age by by referring to that. But go can, ahead, please. Can I? And yeah. and let me just say, I will offer on this <laughs> podcast to any of your listeners, Larry, any of the adults there that are educators yes. and want to and want to try this and and learn more about themselves because we really focus on Ooh. teacher efficacy as well, they can do that. They just need to, I don't know, we'll figure out a way to let them know, let us, let oh, you know or let thanks. us know, and, and we're happy to let them try it. Um, but the way they do it, this is what a teacher would do. We do this during our teacher training, and we also, uh, this is what the students do. They'll go into the computer lab if they're not a one-to-one school coming out of the pandemic. Most schools are, or a lot more schools are one-to-one. Yeah. It's about an hour entirely online it's more like puzzles than like no reading comprehension no math problems it's um sometimes patterns right like what's the next shape in the pattern or um, we do test memory so do you remember the words we just showed you but um students overwhelmingly say like that was the most more interesting test i've taken like that wasn't really a test that was more like a game so, and I, I, let me tell you right there, what, what grades are we talking about? <clears throat> Can you deliver this to a grade one as well as grade 12? How's it, how's it work that way? Uh, we start in grades three because it is – students need to listen or read the instructions and then follow them. And sometimes mm-hmm. one, sometimes first graders aren't quite ready to follow online instructions, and um, we want to make it as simple and easy as possible for the teachers. So we start at grade three, but we do go all the way up. Um, certainly through high school, and, and in, we're in a couple of colleges, too. So um, we're doing a really? lot more at the university level. Yeah, because you can use the, the data that we have oh. overwhelmingly is also oh. predictive of college and career, um, college major and career success. Yeah, so, it, right, so like there's a strong alignment for engineers to be, you know, good in, in visual reasoning skills. Right, like and the, and, and, and you do so you have like thirteen different tests, like for one for each grade, or how's that? I'm I'm really curious how, how what it looks like, like if a kid's we're gonna have to get you on. Grade, we're gonna have to get you. I, to take the I test, know. Larry. Is, is, is the fifth grade test dramatically different from the first grade test and the twelfth grade test? Maybe that's a way to ask it. How's um, it, set it up? is not. It's not. It's adaptive. See? But here's an here's an interesting See? fact. Larry. These are good questions. Memory. Yeah. Here's here's an interesting memory actually plateaus at around 10 or 11. So there's no reason for the um, wow. for the third grade test to be different from the college test. 
Now we won't talk about once we hit Ari wow. and what happens when you get when you hit a certain when you hit a certain age of a certain age. But in that period of can it, time, can it tell me where my car keys are? Can it please tell me where my car keys are? I would love that. Thank I think you. there is new technology to do that. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. You can't do that, but there is technology, and there's a strategy, right? And and using technology for the things that get harder. That's a strategy, and that's actually a lot of what we we do is helping students say. It's okay if you can't remember, but you do need to use a strategy. Like some people will naturally remember everything, right? If that's not you, you can't just say, you can't just throw up your hands and say, I'm not going to do it, but you can have a strategy that makes it easier for you to do it. And that's what we want, where we want to get students to. It's really cool. And I have to ask, I have to ask you this. So it's online, it's puzzles, games, it's an enjoyable hour, and, it, and the kids yep. can actually see this is this is part of like the the student I should say can actually enjoy taking the test. They can see it's actually measuring something that might matter. Okay, I think that's that's the answer. Yeah. They see it as something that matters, and I think that's pretty cool right off the bat. Okay, and I love when we put together this test. One of the things that you wanted me to ask you, I'm going to just read the question, okay, which I rarely do, but I do want to do this because I think this is so important. Okay, what impact does teacher perception have in influencing student support? Now, I think we talked about anecdotal. Teachers are looking at kids all day long. They get a perception of either the kids or the group they're teaching, okay? And sometimes that perception, as good as teachers are, with an innate ability to, to, to really look at these things, okay, they can be wrong. They can be wrong, and for they years teachers were. And I'll, I'll use the example for years teachers were wrong, okay. And I'm going back many, many years. I hope you know they looked at African American kids in, in big city public schools. You know these kids can't do anything, okay. And so they 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 pre, pre they, they pre perceived, okay, what was going to happen to these kids at the end result, which is absolutely absurd and, and racist, but it was there, okay. And my point. Okay, is that people still not necessarily racially, but they they look at a kid, they work with a kid, they get a perception of the kid which could be totally wrong. Okay, and talk about how this affects teacher perception. Okay, I think this is a game changer. That is such an important phrase. Go ahead. I hope I didn't overstate it, but I really believe that. No, honestly, I think it really is everything. So. Um, and, and just so you know, when we think about our model, we're doing a, a study with funded by the Walton Family Foundation with Digital Promise. Yeah, which we're going to talk about that. We have, we're going to talk about right. that in a second. Go ahead, yeah. But, but you but answer my question and we'll go into is, that, yeah. Yeah. The first thing you need to influence is teacher perception. Once you can change teacher perception, then you can change student self-perception. And then you're going to see growth in outcomes and improvement in behavior. But that is really where it needs to start. To oh, your point. Not weirdly. To your point, not like weirdly. We, we all make implicit yeah. judgments about about yeah, we do. We need to like that's and and you know what that's that's like if teachers weren't doing that in some ways, right? It doesn't have to be bad. It could be implicitly assuming that the student's gifted. Like it can be lots of things. But if that like that's that's how they make decisions and judgments, but we need to put the data that confirms, right? So we have had many, many conversations with teachers where they'll say, this student doesn't care, they're disengaged, 
and we look at the date, and we're like, this is a yeah. gifted student yeah, who's exactly. sitting in your classroom. Exactly, exactly. And and that's, or yes, maybe the student, maybe they're not gifted by the, you know, by certain criteria, but a capable student who might be struggling with attention, they are cognitively, you should not be asking them to sit for 25 minutes straight, and you are. And so if we can look at that and say, this is what they, they can do, right, easily. This is what is naturally going to be harder for them. How do we support them rather than just saying this kid won't sit still, right, or mm -hmm. this kid's not motivated. And what we do is we look at the achievement data and we look at this mind print data, again, around their reasoning and their executive functions and their memory, and we look at, the, at their social-emotional data, right, like what you're saying, but over 50% of behavior problems are really rooted in learning problems, where the student's having yep. a challenge sitting in the classroom exactly. Exactly. and doing what you're asking them to do. And they, you know, they're kids. They don't want to admit in front of their friends that they don't understand it. I mean, some do, but a lot don't. And so what do they do? They act out instead. We need to stop those referrals for behavior and get teachers the data so that they can have yeah, those Yeah, we got to understand it. Yeah, and it's going it's going it makes all data makes all the difference in the world. Okay, it's that right. simple and we have a way to measure this. I mean, through again mindprintlearning.com everybody. I mean, it's just incredible. And I want to go over this here. Let's go over this. April, I got this April 17th. It's now May what is it? May 31st. Mind Print Learning. Just going to read this press release. Mind Print Learning, the only online platform that enables schools to enhance their MTSS, multi-tiered systems of support practices, through affordable, objective, cognitive data. Today announced a major partnership that was April 17th, okay, and $2 million, $2 million in financing. Okay, the research partnership is with Digital Promise and is funded by the Walton Family Foundation. Everything good. Talk about all this. This is huge. Go for it, Nancy. Yeah, we are super $2 million. Dollars. Walton, yeah. has, Walton has been incredibly generous um, with us, and we are excited to be working with Digital Promise, which is doing the research. Yeah. So we have third-party validation, right? We want independent yep. researchers looking at the data. And we're bringing in up to nine schools. We're still recruiting because we want to make sure we're hitting um, a good diversity of schools. So we're urban, suburban, um, high That's SES, great. low SES, geographically dispersed as well, um, and bringing in those schools and showing that regardless of zip code, you know, the model works. If you have the objective data and you can understand wow. how students wow. learn, then yeah. teachers can look at and support teachers understand we can improve the teacher efficacy, the teacher confidence that they can make it. And if I right? may, let's get down to economics, the teacher retention. Okay. If teachers and are teacher happy retention. and kids are learning, they will stay at their job. Nothing worse than being frustrated in your job. You're a teacher. And if the kids aren't learning, okay, that ain't good. Okay. You're not going to be happy in your job. Teacher retention, okay? That's what this is about. Give teachers data. Let them teach the kids the way they should be taught. Everybody's happier. Everybody's better, and the teachers stay. We can't afford to lose them. Yeah. Teachers, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just did, okay? But no, I mean, I'm really glad. I, that wasn't an interruption, and that was because not enough people are, are talking about that. They're talking about teachers feeling, you know, there's too much 
work and like the behavior and the this and the that. I mean, and there all those things are true, but ultimately what we see is that if teachers can do what they came to the building to do, which is to help kids, yeah. you yeah. are going to see there are going to be some, like we literally had like uh, someone was telling a story the other day, but like literally like the 30 year experienced teacher that's sort of counting the days to retirement came, you know, had their mind print data and said to, said to a colleague who just repeated it and said, like, this is why I got into teaching. I forgot what wow. I forgot. Wow. Wow. It kind of says it all, doesn't it? Kind of Honestly, says it like, all. Those are the kinds of stories, right? Like, we can get into, like, all the improvements that we've shown in outcomes and a math score here, but it's it's those it's those anecdotes like that about exactly. those kinds of te- those teachers, the the stories of students saying, standing up for themselves and saying, this is what I need. Um, that, those are the things that, you know, that's why teachers get into teaching. That's, you know, that's, that's what keeps me going. Right. That, that's um, your next that's, ad. That's, that's your next ad. Reminds me of what told, told me why I got into teaching to begin with. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. Tagline. It's just, uh, it's, it's just, it's just, it's just incredible what you can do here, you know? And I see it, you know, you know, we're the consortium for equity and education and I, I, I think I've already, this is pretty obvious, but, you know, this is, we're really, it's a learning thing, but it's also an equity thing, okay? And again, I want to get back to that perception. For too long, we've assumed certain peoples, okay, just don't have it. And in fact, most of them do, okay? And just talk about that, the equity side of all this, Nance, if you can, please. I mean, I think it's, I think it's what we've been saying. First of all, thank you for doing what you do um, in terms of promoting equity and, and we're glad we can play, you know, a small piece of that in terms of the data doesn't lie. If we see a kid who's capable with our data and they're not succeeding academically, we can't blame the kid. And we've for far too long blame blame the kid. And that yep. is like we need we are the yep. adults in the room. We need to say what can we do differently? One of the things, though, about equity, and I think this is really also really important, um, that sometimes get, you know, we, we hear people say equity is not equal, but, like, what does that mean? Right. In our case, when you look at, at certain populations of data, like depending on where a student body is, in ter- like we're seeing changes in, in student bodies coming out of the pandemic, we need to actually meet where meet kids where they are, right? So we know that kids with chronic st- who are exposed to chronic stress, ACEs, oh. right, for those of you who are familiar, right, we know they have weaker executive functions based on that chronic stress. Now, we also know we can address that, but we need to start and have an environment that supports students where they are today because if, if, you, if your executive functions are weaker, again, we cannot expect students to sit in the seat for 25 minutes, let alone 50 minutes, or an 80-minute block period, and not get up, walk around, be active. It's not fair to them. Their brains won't do it. Their That's brains right. won't do it. And so we need to create the environment that meets our student population and not say, well, that's what they're doing at that school down the street. So that's what I want to do. No, we need to meet our students where they are, and now we can know where they are because yeah. we have data. To here, here. That. Well, everybody always says that, and you're absolutely right. You know, we need to meet the students where they are. But now we can actually find out where the heck they are, okay? Isn't that important? We can actually do that. And, you know, 
it, it all begs the question. I love your testing. I love your company, et cetera, et cetera. I know it's accurate. I know it's reliable. But what usually, and you've worked with enough school districts now, all right? What, and, and by the way, is, is most, when, you, when they do the testing, is it mostly district-wide, or do you see it in teacher by teacher? That's question A. Is it how's it work um, or student by student? Wide, answer that. It's, it's yeah. district wide. Um, there are a small set of our schools that will do it in students once they're um, identified for tier two, like smaller group intervention, and they'll just do it then. Most of our schools realize that tier two or difficulties are fluid, and once you have this data on students, it's pretty stable. So. Most of our schools test um, every three years. They don't even test every year because our data is pretty stable, but we'll integrate for them on an ongoing basis with their achievement data, with their SEL data. So we're keeping constant monitoring to make sure that students are progressing the way they should. That's great. And I, the, my question then is once the results are in, all right, given any school, we have to talk generically, or you can use a- anecdotes from different districts if you want, the success stories, however. What usually happens post-testing? Okay, they do the test, they get the results, they all go, holy cow. Now, what? I, I, just from what you found, what usually happens? So usually we start, we sit with the administrative team, and we say, what are the trends that we're seeing in the data, right? Like, it's for some reason seventh graders underachieving more than sixth graders, right? Like, are they just sort of, and, and what can we do for them based on the data? Like, are we seeing these trends? Frankly, more often than not, you see trends and differences in the achievement data and the cognitive data, our mind print data is consistent, which means there's something in the curriculum that we're not meeting students where they are. So let's go dig in and find out what is not working for these, for, this, for these students, right? So now we're getting like whole district-wide changes and improvements, right? So, so administrators can build that into their strategic plan, right? So we had one district that was, um, you know, their students had weaker verbal skills and they were using a math curriculum that was so heavy on reading, right? And we're like, why aren't you using the curriculum with mm-hmm. more visuals in it, right? Let, let them exceed in math. Let's not double down on what's hard for them. Like, there is time for reading, and we're going to do that in ELA. But when we're in math, we don't want to hold them back in math. And so they literally changed their curriculum based on the mind print data to say, we need to stick with a more visual curriculum. Wow. So there are strategic decisions that we can make. Um, and so that's the first thing, because honestly – when it comes like sort of top down and we know it's going to hit everyone, like we know we can have the largest impact. Right. But then we also sort of take it, we do sort of, we take a, a top down view strategically. What can we do? What can we do to, if we see these weaker executive functions, what can we do in all the middle school classrooms to help teachers understand where their students Mm -hmm. are in terms of focus and how to manage that. So we'll help them put in um, a little bit more routine that's consistent across classrooms, Um, maybe a moment of mindfulness in the beginning of class. Just those simple things and the consistency of doing them across the board, teachers will say, like, enormous difference. Right. We had one school, we got a standing ovation because we got oh, the principal to make wow. sure. I'm not kidding. We got the principal 
to say every, every student in the middle school is going to use a planner, a written planner. Because <laughs> oh, the data wow. is like they're, they're working, they're, they're executive functions, we're going to talk, you know, neuroscience now, but like working memory, right? Like their ability yeah. to sort of remember what to do next and plan and organize. There's nothing better than a paper-based planner to do that. Students lose stuff all the time when they're on their phone. Really basic things like that that can make an Makes enormous difference, difference right? It, and, the, you know, everybody goes away from paper, so the school had gotten rid of the paper-based planners. Like, and this, you know, we said this is what the students need to be more organized and efficient. Yeah, we forget sometimes. We forget. We forget what right. works. Oh, for the sake of the future, we forget what works. Okay, I sound like a 7,000-year-old man. I sound like Mel, Bro- Mel Brooks, a 2,000-year-old man, but it's true, okay? We, for the sake of the future, we forget the good stuff we had to, that we're working with now, okay? Right. It's that simple. And, you know, your little, and, your little, I got to tell you, your little anecdote reminded me of a story. I, many, many, many years ago, I was a vice president in charge of sales of a big publishing house, and the accountant kept asking me to, to tell to write down on this crazy sheet of paper he gave me one of these big green sheets this is before computers what all the 20 salespeople's uh, commissions were all right and i kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off this guy was getting madder and madder and madder and finally he went to our mutual boss and he said what am i going to do larry won't give me the information and my boss said to him why don't you just ask larry to tell you as opposed to writing it down okay and he walked in and he said, you know, the I said, sure. And I gave him everybody's commission. I was right within $500 without even putting a single thing on paper. I'm not bragging, but it's the way my mind works. Okay. And this is the challenge we have in education. Everybody learns and thinks differently. Okay. And if we can That's figure right. that out, we're going to be that much better. We have the technology to be able to teach them differently. It's really that simple. And, you know what I, you know what I love about what you did? I just have to say something here. You know, you said you were an engineer. What kind of engineer were you? A bioengineer. Okay, a bioengineer. You brought that thinking, okay, into education. Sometimes, you know, teach it, I always say this about all the associations and all the educators. We talk amongst ourselves, okay? But other people, you've got to bring in other thought patterns, too. And you were able to bring in the thought patterns. You would never do something in bioengineering that you didn't have data to prove it worked, okay? The last time you did it, the guy turned into Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, okay? It just doesn't work unless you have the data to do it, okay? So Mr. Hyde aside, all right, when he drank your formula, all right, you you have the data, you know something works. And this is the kind of thinking that you had, that you brought into, you did it. You brought this into education from one field to the other. You know, you should be really proud of yourself. Um, I'm excited for what we can do to change education. Like Very that, beautiful, uh, beautifully said, modestly said. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, you um, did good. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, Larry. You're welcome. <laughs> but it, it's it's true. It's true. Like that's that's what gets me completely jazzed up when we can. Yeah. You know, we we tested 25,000 students in the UAE. Uh, two weeks ago, right? Like it, it, this is where this is wait, say like twenty-five thousand. Where, where? Students in, in the United Arab Emirates. Oh, uh, UAE. West, I just knew, okay, I knew what you yeah. said. Yeah, cool. Like, like students are students. Like, stu- like the brain. Work, like the brain is the brain, and when we can strip okay. away right. all the other stuff, we can teach kids how to learn. 
Yeah. Right. And we, we, and we, you know, I got to say this. We got to do that. And I'll say it even more importantly, Madam Engineer, now with AI coming down the pike, we got to really figure out how to use that to have kids learn. The ant- the qu- in the future, the questions are going to be more important than the answers. You got to be able to answer the, ask the right question. How do people's minds work? And that's what you're able to do. Nance, this is great. Okay. It's great to be back in touch. I'm going to follow up with you. We haven't talked in too long. I'm going to call I would love you. That. Okay. All We're right. going to talk. All right. We got to go. You're the best. Thank you. You're wonderful. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for taking well, the time. I love having you on. Okay. We'll do more. I promise. I'll call you. You'll have my word. All right. Okay. Sounds Thanks, great. Nance. Thank okay. you. Thank you. Bye. Wow. Thank That's Nancy Weinstein. Nancy is the co-founder and CEO, uh, engineer from another field, female, obviously. Okay, look at what she's doing for education. Okay, it's just unbelievable. All right, mindprintlearning.com. And if you don't know about it, you should. Okay, you do now. Mindprintlearning.com. Great, just great stuff. All right, and they got a lot of funding now from the Walton Family Foundation. I mean, it's just, just great. All right, we're going to archive over at ace-ed.org, and you'll find out all the information on the Equity Awards program as well. All right, over there in our new issue of the magazines, either up today or uh, tomorrow, okay? So that's uh, probably tomorrow. All right, so please check it all out. Everything's free for educators at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening.